0: And welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. Uh, It's the second Vamos to start a podcast, and I feel like it should be traditional because Carlos Sainz has won another race. So I'm going to be incredibly smug this week, and I'm joined by the only person who could withstand the smugness.
1: It was a good drive,
0: like a well-warranted win, definitely. For those of you who have eagle ears, that is Dan who has joined us. Tim has gone into hiding because Alonso was shit. Chris is going to a hiding because Russell was shit, and uh Danny's going to a hiding because Logan Sargent is shit, um but still I <laughs> uh, no, I have no idea where Chris and Danny are, but uh Tim's in a pub somewhere in Scotland, so he's being a local cracking race though right, Dan? It was
1: definitely needed after the whitewash of a red Bull season that we've had so far, and it didn't like Singapore normally has some little gems to find but this was just a race full of them wasn't it literally from the get-go
0: yeah there was driving from the start hamilton did his traditional what it feels like now of overtaking with four wheels off the track he's a uh, he's obviously learned from a season of battling for Stappen because that's the one way you can get around someone without having an accident he did however have to give the places back eventually um do you feel yeah. that hamilton took too long to get those places back or do you think he was right in his mindset to try and hold on to those as long as he did. It didn't take very long for his teammate to
1: give the place back, did he? Uh, he sorted that one out pretty sharpish. Um, but I think unless the FIA, I reckon, we're in the era of Mercedes saying you have to give the place back, I don't think he'd give it back.
0: Well, I believe they gave them the ultimatum of uh, sort it out or we'll sort it for you.
1: Exactly, yeah. That's a basically like you give it back or we're going to give it back plus a time penalty just for the aggro of making us intervene.
0: Yeah, well, it would have come back under the time penalty. Uh, Norris had great pace for obvious reasons. As the Mercedes added the Ferraris. Um, one person or one team, should we say, that didn't really have great pace, especially at the start of the race, was the dominant Red Bull Racing.
1: I don't know what engine they put in that car this weekend or what hillbilly designed their aero package. or I just don't know what they were thinking on this on this race. The whole weekend was just absolute litter.
0: I don't want to be smug, but there have been two other races this season where we thought Red Bull could be, you know, up against the battle of, or, or who could stop them winning, or what races might they not win? And uh, after Monaco and after Hungary, which is two races that I I picked that they might not win at, the other was this one, and I'm glad to say I finally got it right. And uh, Red Bull really did struggle.
1: Really weird watching. The likes of, like, the Mercedes, uh, the rest of you have, Alonso. Uh, They're, like, literally just driving straight past them. What Max does to everyone else, but just in reverse. Was it weird or was it beautiful? Very beautiful, because anything that diminishes their dominance for the foreseeable future is a fucking amazing. Just, well, for me and the sport. But
0: in the same, it was just really weird Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, there was all this talk of conspiracy theorists saying it's a technical directive of the floors And and Red Bull, well, Christian Horner in particular, was very quick to dismiss that, saying, no, it's the same car as what we had in Monza. We don't know why it's not working. It could be that they blamed the track. They blamed wing changes. They tidied up their floor at the front. But um, all this talk of a flexible floor. And tightening up that regulation did lead some conspiracy theorists going crazy. We won't know if those conspiracy theories have got any legs until we get to Japan. So for now, as much as we love a conspiracy theory here, we are going to hold off on those. Now,
1: mate, I'm well in the conspiracy theories. Like, literally, if they come out in Japan and they are shit again... Check their hard drives. I want to see what they've been doing. I want wiretaps. I want forensic accountants. I want everybody in there because, you know, I'm not being funny. It's not like they haven't done it before. I think we
0: need to keep an eye on it. It's definitely worth keeping an eye and it'll be easy to spot as well, uh, should it be (laughs) a problem, because you don't just go from the fastest team to the sixth fastest team. Just it's not, like that. Not even,
1: it's not even the fastest team. It's the fastest team. And then an extra like fifty miles an hour is ridiculous. I want to see the catering budget for twenty twenty three. I ain't got to lie. Show me the books, Christian. Show me what you are ordering because there's something definitely dodgy going on.
0: As uh, we could say that some of the team at Rebel might be moonlighting as a dodgy accountant. Uh Lance Stroll's getting awfully close to moonlighting as a tennis player, isn't he?
1: He's getting uh, much closer to being unemployed, I would say. It was really weird. They didn't fill his seat
0: for the race. Well, they couldn't because it happened in qualifying. So you have to partake in a practice session, which includes qualifying to be able to take place in the race. A bit like Nico Hulkenberg back in the COVID year, Mm. when he super subbed, um, did Q1 as a practice session, and then went into the race and somehow scored points. For, yeah. um, racing point
1: I was thinking like why didn't they feel like you know why, why didn't they feel the car with the test driver but then obviously if there's that rule of you have to partake in one session then that would
0: be why what else can you say really um I mean it was a heck of a last with show, so uh, a testament again to how far safety is coming Formula One right Dan
1: yeah As like I say again like I was against the halo and all that sort of stuff but like with that along with all of the other safety features that we've had within the last five years like it it is safer and he, and you do forget that you know you can get hurt in this sport uh, because of how safe it is but it's you know it is always nice to see them walk away from it obviously because we've had uh, a lot of issues you know we've had previous deaths that could have been saved with the stuff that we have now on the cars it's sad to not see a 20 car grid but I'm not gutted that it was Lance Stroll.
0: Yeah, I mean, it also happened very, very quick. And I'm not surprised that he couldn't race. I mean, even though he got his hands off the wheel, Lance Stroll, of course, has been dealing with an injury all season. He's still racing with metal pins in his wrist, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, um, see,
1: that, that recovery was very quick as well, wasn't it? So, obviously, there might be issues following on from this one, but obviously from that one as well.
0: Mm, I've never seen a side pole of a car crumble like that, though. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen a side pod be the main, you know, take the main brunt of an
1: impact. It's got to be the way the chassis design that caused that, like something like within that side or the flooring or something like that's made that happen.
0: Yeah, it's got to be part of the design. I mean, they they are like any car designed to break in a certain way, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, it was such a impact that actually the tether of the wheel failed, so. There is still work to be done in safety in Formula One, because when a wheelchair fails, it could go anywhere.
1: Thankfully, that isn't something that we see very often anymore. Occasionally, they do
0: break. Back to the race. Rather innocent freed, considering all the drama. Um, Logan Sargent, of course, he lost control, Uh, was able to continue, though, despite, you know, taking a front wing around as a passenger um for an entire lap and you know bringing out the safety car at the perfect time to bring red bull even more misery so well done logan sergeant at least you know when to crash
1: but was it a safety car though like do you
0: think it, it, it like it 100% was 100 it 100 percent had to be a safety car i think mean, the amount what? of debris that that cut that was being dragged around i was surprised mm. that sergeant could continue um
1: it just for me seemed to get out of that wall pretty quickly I suppose yeah, with the debris, you have got to throw a full safety car to tidy that up, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean it was it it was all over the track, wasn't it? I mean, it, it, they needed to take the time and bunch the field up so they could, you know, clean clean it in in stages. Whereas if it was a VSC, this field would have had a nicer, not well, quite the spread to it. Ferrari, of course, were telling Leclerc to build a gap of around three seconds to allow a double stack, anticipating a safety car, which always comes at Singapore whether that be deliberately or not, Ferrari, I thought, were being pretty smart with that. But then Leclerc, it felt, tried to outsmart them, increase the gap further and ended up compromising his own race because I think he allowed the cars behind um, himself and Russell to bunch up for Hamilton and Norris to, to bunch up more. And that's what cost him multiple places in the pit stops. Yeah, exactly. He It's just another case of him thinking that he knows best again. And, you know,
1: it bit him in the ass this time. He bunched them up, allowing him to be held up in the pit stop in his, in his pit box for them to pass. So he totally deserved that. He needs, well, I, I know we really don't need to listen to every Ferrari
0: strategy. <laughs> but, yeah, occasionally they're going to get it right, aren't they? Exactly. I think especially when... Uh... Uh, there's only one Ferrari strategist I'd listen to, and that's Carlos Sainz. <laughs> uh, he he pretty much ran his own, he, well, he did run his own race from start to finish. It's another, uh, you know, Carlos Sainz has won two races, and I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying they have both been from pole position.
1: Yes, but what but, made me laugh more was the uh, Lando is 0.8 behind with DRS. Yes, I know. It's by design. <laughs>
0: As I say, the, the amount of confidence and race management. I mean, he he got himself the win by doing that. He allowed Lando to defend from the much faster Mercedes. Lando mm. wasn't a threat to, to Carlos, but the Mercedes certainly were. But what I'll ask you, Dan, is um, do you think the race result would have been different had the Mercedes at any point in the race been inverted? So Hamilton was leading Russell. If Hamilton was leading Russell, was going going into those final few laps, do you feel we would have had a different race result? I think
1: he was slightly faster, but I don't think he would have been tremendously fast to actually get past him. I think he would have got to him, but as we know, catching and passing are two different uh, scenarios. I don't think there was enough in that Mercedes, like really, to make a difference. I think he would have been closer, but you
0: just the thing is, you just—you just you just don't know, do you? Well... For one, I don't think Hamilton makes the mistake Russell made, which ended his race. Yeah, but it, that for me that was a really weird mistake. Like but he makes those Russell, doesn't he?
1: It looked like the barrier just came out a meter, but it did. It didn't. It just. It's a really weird, weird <laughs> well, one.
0: Lando clipped it, and then Russell hit it, and this is the thing, it's one of those weird George Russell errors, but you do seem to get those a couple of times a season and you never got those from Bottas. You didn't get them from Rosberg. You you never see them really from Hamilton. You know, Mm. Russell makes these errors and it's another one that, you know, in a race for P2 and the constructors, which is going to be really heating up at P3, you know, it's really heating up, I'd like to say down there. And it could, with how each race needs to fluctuate of who's competitive and who's not, costing your team 12 points it's not
1: gonna help he's got his contract now so he's like you know maybe thinking we can drive a little more recklessly now because he's got the deal i, I don't know but it, it's just one of them silly mistakes isn't it
0: yeah because i i feel like if hamilton was ahead of russell i think he would have had a chance of winning that race um mm. I, I think that the move that russell was making on norris i think hamilton just that little bit more experience would have just been able to position Norris a little bit more, more comfortably to get past him. And I think as soon as, as soon as you got past Norris, you know, that's, that's it. That's race over. I, I couldn't see anyone, if they got past Norris, not winning that race at the two Mercedes drivers.
1: And yes, I say, I just don't know whether it had like the, the, the top end in it, in it to actually get past, you know, I might be wrong, you know, obviously, you know, Lewis might've pushed Lando to make a mistake. Because obviously he's going to be a bit fearful of Lewis in his rear view than he is uh, Russell. But you just you just don't know. Probably just. I, I wish we could have an ultimate reality where we can try all our theories and see what happens. But we don't.
0: <laughs> there are many theories and um, I have a theory. Uh, but it leads to me to f- start to feel like I need to apologise. I, I feel like I need to apologise to the people of the Alpine F1 team. Because every time... I picked your drivers in fantasy that driver fails to finish. And it happened again with Esteban Ocon and Alpine, w- I'm sorry. Cause I feel like, I, I feel like you're no longer messing with me. I feel like I'm jinxing you, but he was driving. Well, that battle he was driving between, exceptionally well,
1: uh, him Perez and Alonso. That, that was how all three didn't crash. Is <laughs> a, and then they were like, Oh, there's no, been no position change. And you've you're Ocon, wait a minute, I'm going on the inside, I'm having this. And then what was the deal the issue? with the last corner?
0: Yeah. Well, the issue, what with, o- with Ocon, it just, I think he just had a hydraulic failure, I think they said. Yeah. But just, when it went, I just thought, oh, that's just my luck. There went Ocon, and uh, there went another, another promising points total for me. Not as quickly as the Russell points total went. I mean, picking Russell in the team yeah ouch i felt i felt that one go wrong um
1: <laughs> but at least his retirement was an actual like need for retirement unlike the the youtube which which i didn't think was a need for retirement but
0: no you said he got hit and had a puncture but
1: yeah but could have made it back round like try just i don't know mate it's weird it's, it's very weird
0: yeah, I don't. It's a lot. It's a, It's very early to call it quits. But you know, if we're speaking about Tauri Liam Lawson, three races in, points in an AlphaTauri. They've had four drivers this season. Before this race, only one of them, Yuki, had scored any points for a team. And then here comes Liam Lawson, thanks to a crazy chain of events, getting his chance and knocking Verstappen out of qualifying.
1: Uh, th- that's it. Like I was skeptical. I think. It took all of the the situations or like, the whole qualifying thing to happen, you know, for that to happen. But, like, when's the last time we saw Max out qualifying, like, ever?
0: Last time Red Bull double missed on a qualifying situation. I can't think of how when it was. I can't think of the last time two Red Bull. I think it's 2017 they were saying see this it, is
1: when we need a danny or a tim to come up with the stat. Just where, bam there it is so so guys we don't have the specific date time and year it's because they're not here
0: well we do have pacific time it's what eight hours behind it's just it's uh, the specific time that someone thinks they're funny guys don't they <laughs> i'm sorry right so one thing that sort of has slipped under the radar um and it could have had an impact on a certain performance of another team. Haas got a point again. Magnussen. You would have thought with everything going on, Holkenberg would have been the one. But no, Magnussen has got a point for Haas. And I mean, I'm personally, I'm delighted because I feel like Haas have had shown great pace in qualifying and just always struggled to convert it. So to see them convert it into a point, albeit a bit fortuitously with what happened to other drivers, You know, right place, right time Go on K-Mag And also, I liked how racy he was with the staff
1: Exactly, but like We we, we said it before Like, you need To stay in the race To keep yourself in these situations To be able to get These points when they Happen to pop up and stuff like that And you know, and that's where they've That's where they've got lucky this
0: uh, Week and managed to, to, to pick it up It could be huge as well, because it puts them two points ahead of Alfa Romeo in the standings. And I don't see Alfa Romeo going out there and outscoring Haas by three points across the end of the season, unless we have an absolute bonkers race, you know, where someone does steal an unlikely pilot tour. But then again, the Alfa Romeo is so uncompetitive. I mean, fancy you put one driver on hard tyres to start the race and you put the other driver on hard tyres after lap two? Yeah,
1: it 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 defeats the object of it, doesn't it, really? Like.
0: Mm. You, you, if you're hanging out for a safety car, I don't get the whole lap two pissing. You know, if you're going for hard tyres, yet yeah, just run hard tyres and bank on a safety car. Don't pit on lap two and then go, oh yeah, we're hoping we're going to get a safety car at the right moment, because when that safety car comes, you'll end up like Red Bull, much older tyres, other drivers around you will pit and they will overtake you
1: poor decision not to pit wasn't it from them like, you well know, no so. it, wasn't a
0: poor, it wasn't it was a poor decision to pit but I, I just realised that's such a weird sentence criticising Alfa Romeo this season saying if they're not careful they're going to end up like Red Bull <laughs> it feels so weird saying that <laughs> I
1: bet it I bet it feels weird for Red Bull to not, not be on the podium and uh, know how that feels for a race or two or three or four if we're lucky
0: there were people who were watching F1 for the first time this being their first season and all they've ever known is the uh, the Austrian national anthem being played at every race they wouldn't have thought that was just um, you know part of the festivities they wouldn't have known it was what happens when Red Bull win. <laughs> I thought I thought it was part of the F1 coverage these days they displayed at the end I mean as much like Carlos Sainz I've got to say one thing though Max Verstappen is a better podcast host because the uh, the post race podcast, there's a lot of ooh ah ooh ooh ah ooh. <laughs> it wasn't as good <laughs> as it when Verstappen's in the cool down room. One more thing, a rebel though, um, and has You could argue uh, an unlikely assist for Sergio Perez, who had an incident with Alex Albon, which um, caused the Williams driver to like lock up his brakes and uh, go off. I mean. Perez got hit with a five-second time penalty. Um, For those who didn't see it, Perez went full lunge up the inside just after the Anderson Bridge on the uh, left-hander. The move that Verstappen made on one of the Hasses earlier in the race, it was. But Perez, yeah, he lunged. He got it wrong. Albon had to take a boarding action, locked up, lost a lot of places, a lot of time. And, uh, you know, that was the reason Haas got a point. Because yeah.
1: Mag- he finished 11th, didn't
0: he? He Albon. finished 11th. Yeah. Albon finished 11th, dropped down to 15th, I think it was, after the incident with Perez. Still fought yeah. back to 11th. Perez is another one of those weird ones. Albon didn't retire. There's a five-second penalty for Perez, which had no impact upon his race whatsoever. And we talk about going off the track and gaining an advantage and that being a five-second penalty, which you kind of get. But when you really do wreck someone's race... Does a five second penalty, you know, warrant anything? I mean, even if it was a 10 second penalty, he was far enough ahead of Lawson to nullify that. But it just, you know, you could argue that the incident itself costs Alborn at least, you know, 15 seconds.
1: I reckon it cost him ninth place, if I'm honest. Like, I reckon he oh, was, it did. I reckon he would have been, like, ninth at worst,
0: tenth. So, one last thing we do have to touch upon is, um, <laughs> More Perez talk, and it was the uh, whilst there's been the an apology. and the an apology accepted, you, you know, Helmut Marco made some comments leading up to the race about Perez's struggles being down to the fact that he's South American. Now, it's not as strong as what Nelson Piquet used, and the language Nelson Piquet used to talk about Lewis Hamilton, who, of course, you know, just got Piquet banned from attending F1 races. But if you are the guy who runs a team you absolutely cannot be saying you're you're setting an example and this isn't the first time that Red Bull have instigated you know some form of a a racist witch hunt or, or whatever albeit you know inadvertently before this is this is unacceptable and you've got to know that what you're saying isn't isn't right you can't say because Verstappen's European that makes him better than Perez
1: it's it's almost like they didn't learn from Lewis it, the the Lewis incident at all. Like it's you can it's, it's like you said you can't come out and say shit like that when you're the head billion dollar company race team um with sponsors out your ass and like stuff like that. You can't just come out and say those comments, especially in this day and age. It's just it's completely unacceptable. And he was right to be called out on it.
0: Right to be called out on it. And honestly, I I feel like if we were going to another race. Uh, say so if you were heading to, if you were headed, if he made these comments ahead of a race in South America, I don't think Alan Marco would have been allowed to depend, attend. I, well, you, well, you'd hope not. You'd hope not. You, or he'd be a very brave man trying to attend. Mm. Uh, and he's a foolish man for, you know, even making these comments. But I think that sort of wraps up everything we've got to say. There have probably been some things we've missed in this, uh, in this race review podcast of the race of the year, without a doubt. Uh, it's amazing what happens when Red Bull is slow, right? It's uh, <laughs> Formula One's exciting again at the front. Um, it just
1: makes it interesting.
0: Yeah, it did not fail to disappoint. And uh, in our usual cliche manner, one thing that also never fails to disappoint is 3D printed track wall art from our podcast sponsor Apex Tracks. So for all your 3D printed track wall art needs, head to apextracks.com. That's a p e x t r a x s dot com. Boom not even have to
1: edit it perfect again I'm not See, i've got
0: who would have thought three years of doing this and finally be able to read the sponsorship um anyway <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening everyone uh i hope you enjoyed the podcast we'll try and get it out in a timely fashion of course uh life's crazy at the moment so um you know don't hate on us too much if it takes a little longer to get it out we are trying to stay relevant we always want to get out as quick as possible now, for the time being if you like what you've heard check out the link in the bio of the podcast it will link you up to our instagram facebook discord anything like that um so yeah until next time thank you very much for listening cheerio guys see you later guys